Welcome to Game of Books with Kathy in South Dakota. That's me. And Christy in South Florida. That's me. We're two newbie writers sharing our take on wine, food, and mystery books. And the authors who write them. Join us for the fun. Hey, everybody. Happy holidays. It's a perfect time for some wine. Well, when isn't it? But perfect time right now for wine, food, and friendly discussion. Yes, yes, exactly. And um, here's a novel idea. Why don't we uh, discuss Stephen King's book about kids confronting evil to get us in the holiday spirit? What do you think? (laughs) Leave it to you to take us down the dark path. Well, we are today doing The Institute by Stephen Mm -hmm. King, which is very sinister. Mm -hmm. But it's also great fiction. I mean, it's it's so great. So maybe it will make us appreciate um, evil a little bit less. (laughs) I don't know what to say. Uh, It's pretty dark. (laughs) Well, like, real life is not quite, hopefully. I don't know. There could be some secret institute we don't know about that the government... How's going? (laughs) (laughs) So maybe we just better drink some wine and lift our spirits. That's a good way to start. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Okay, so I have just the perfect, perfect choice for that. Just what we need today. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) We are having Domaine Saint Michel Sparkling Brute. It's a champagne Mm -hmm. from the Washington Columbia Valley. Yes. And um, before we have a little sip, I'm going to tell you the um, tasting notes, which are really interesting. And I, I'm almost certain we have not had tasting notes like this thus far. Look, I popped um, the champagne yeah. before we even started. So I'm going to take a sip while you're telling the tasting notes. Okay, you take that? a sip. Yeah, right, go for it. Okay. So uh, delicate aromas of green apple. Mm. Bright citrus notes with a persistent bubble and mm-hmm. balanced acidity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Domaine St. Michel Brute is the perfect accompaniment for a wide array of foods. Okay. So I I really, I was reading that and I thought, I don't recall ever having green apple in any of our tasting notes before. You're right. We might not have. Although it's really hard to tell because how many episodes have we done? <laughs> I'm like, uh, I don't know, 300, 379. No, I, know. I don't know. A lot. A lot. Maybe uh, maybe I can um, remember so you, pear, but I don't remember apple. You're right. I don't remember. I don't either. Mm-mm. It so is, what do you though. Think? I can see. Yeah. It's a little bit like bubbly apple juice. No. <laughs> it's, <laughs> as many wines are, it's, uh, it's, it's fresh, though, don't you think? I mean, it's not. Yes, I, I do. I like it because sometimes... Champagne can have sort of a aftertaste kind of that I don't like or something, or maybe it's too dry, or this just seems very smooth for a champagne, you know? Actually, it's a sparkling wine, right? It's not really a champagne, because it doesn't come from champagne. <laughs> if you're correct, Christy, Miss Francophile. It is I learned that in French wine. in high school. <laughs> It is technically a sparkling wine, and um, the pairing suggestions are kind of great because it's all over the place. They suggest a perfect brunch companion, 
Okay. Or that you can, as you noted, serve it with a salty appetizer like popcorn mm. or mm-hmm. chips, which is, I know, your favorite treat. <laughs> I know. One I've been trying not to buy them. So <laughs> oh, maybe I'll Christy just have to look up, chip. you know, <laughs> I'll have some nuts today. <laughs> there you go. But I also had found that it pairs very well with uh, my inspiration for our book club to celebrate the Institute, mm-hmm. which is Peach Cobbler. So if I was having really? a book club in real life, yes, I would be serving peach cobbler this evening and pair it with this um, sparkling wine. What do you think? Do you remember why? No, I can't. I'm like <laughs> sitting here. I'm going peach cobbler. I mean, I remember like junk food <laughs> from the, you know. Um. Okay, so I will tell you that um, at the beginning of the Institute, before things go too off the rails, mm-hmm. um, we have a gentleman who is having dinner in this very small town. He's new to this um, small town, right. and he finds kind of the only eating establishment, which is Bev's Diner. Oh. Remember Bev's, or Bev's yes. Eatery, sorry, yes. Bev's Eatery. Yeah. And I do remember um, that. That's where he... <laughs> right, and that's where he ends up eating most of his meals. And and frankly, most of the meals did not inspire me to serve them to anybody else because <laughs> they included things like liver and onions, right, or chicken or chicken fried steak. And I thought, well, I'm not serving that to a book club. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, hey, hey, friends, come have some chicken fried steak, liver and onions. I would be happy with that, just... but <laughs> I don't think everybody would. <laughs> No, that did not appeal to me. But he also enjoyed um, some peach cobbler as dessert at okay. Bev's Eatery after he after he ate all the heavy food. And I thought that would be a really fun with some really yummy ice cream. Yeah, which I I would tell you the ice cream would come from um, our from university in town here. <laughs> well, in South Dakota, that's where we could store it right now. But our um, our university in town, SDSU. Um, has a really outstanding um, creamery. Oh, cool. And they have this great ice cream store. So when you come to Brookings sometime to visit, I'll mm-hmm. take you up there. That and by the way, good. that is where cookies and cream, uh, ice cream was invented here. No way. Yes way. Oh, yes. wow. Yeah. So That's... anyway, I would Ooh. serve peach cobbler with SDSU vanilla ice cream and this lovely Domaine St. Michelle Brute. Perfect. And then a few nuts on the side for the salty people. <laughs> and I will put nuts out for you for the salty, yes. <laughs> oh, yum. Well, that's a really good idea. Yeah. I was wondering what you were going to come up with from this book. I mean, there <laughs> is food in there, but, you know, it's just so different. And, you know, yeah, not none of our, you know, sit-down wine dinners that we sometimes have no. in our mysteries and thrillers. Right, so now that we've discussed the food, we don't really have peach cobbler here, but we do have our wonderful champagne. Um, let's let's talk about the book itself. What do you say? And I really do think a little bit of um, champagne or sparkling wine is good to have for this conversation. It takes the edge off a little bit of the heaviness of this, yeah. of this topic. I mean, you know, with Stephen King, everything, the story is just always so good. I mean, I'm not, 
I don't like to go to horror movies. I don't like that kind of thing, you know, in general. But I love his books because even if they end up scaring me, um, which some do, um, that they, you know, just have good stories. They have good characters. You just, you know, you want to find out what's going to happen. Even and usually there's something good in the end. Don't you think most of his? Well, I, do. I don't know. Carrie was a little. <laughs> Not all of them. But I do think he has a very. At least usually somebody you like still alive or something. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I think that's interesting because he can really. I mean, he takes you to dark places um, mm-hmm. very. I mean, very often, obviously. But he somehow can give a little light at the end of it. And I I would imagine that's. Um, very peculiar to him because I, or particular to him, excuse me, and right. peculiar, but um, that is true. Yeah. So like, so anyway, in this book, I'll just give a brief kind of overview. It's a, you know, it's a long book, so I can't really go wait, into it Wait, wait, don't you think you should introduce, don't you think you should introduce the author? People might not know who he is. Oh, you know what? That's so funny that you said that because I was thinking that when I was like doing up my notes and I'm like, oh, I forgot to write anything about Stephen King down. And so I didn't you even research <laughs> it, but I'm like, okay, I like, I just recently saw this documentary. I know so much about him. And, yeah. um, and even we are doing two of his books today, because when we get later in the writer's perspective that we're going to talk about another one of his books on writing. So, mm. um, you yes. know, he's just, everybody knows who he is. And if you don't, look him up, you know, just Google Stephen King and, you know, you'll get a million things because he's written so many great books and, you know, is probably one of the most successful, if not the most successful authors, I would say. He's, I mean, he's an institution unto himself. And I think even if you aren't a reader, Mm -hmm. um, he's one of those few authors and writers that He's is universally known, right? Yes. And yes. Um, he's like the the celebrity with one name, right? Yeah. <laughs> everyone knows Stephen King. Yep. For good reason. Yes. And so this book, The Institute, um, it, it's you know, oftentimes he'll have books that he talks about kids, and and what was interesting about this book is, um, well, it kind of goes into kids that have um, special gifts like telepathy and what's the other one telekinesis telekinesis Mm -hmm. yeah where they can where you can move things you know and Mm -hmm. um and stuff which is interesting is on its own like i mean do you really believe that people can do stuff like that i don't know i I'm not I, sure. <laughs> I do. I'm. I'm. I guess I'm. I'm open to it. I. I think. Right. Um, I think there's so much more capacity to our brains than we could ever, and and, and uh, other parts of our uh, of our beings that we could ever imagine. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm open to it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. you know. But anyway. Um, so this, uh, you know, so this goes into it, and it's just, it, it is really, the government is doing some bad stuff, trying to weaponize these kids, and so it just goes into, like, you know, how they go through this. Now, the interesting thing that I, um, there was a couple things. First of all, the the character you talked about who ate the peach cobbler, 
whatever his name <laughs> yeah. is, Tim, I think. He mm-hmm. um, he gets a job as a night knocker. <laughs> yeah. And when I read that, I was like, what the heck's a night knocker, right? And yeah. I'm thinking you probably were thinking the same thing, you know, and I just I, just, I was, you know, and I just kept reading until I kind of figured it out. And then in like chapter 10, he just kind of pretty much spells it out exactly what it is, which basically is what we would think of as sort of a night watchman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I was like, where did he come up with this? And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure he might've just made it up, but, <laughs> but when I, I was preparing for this, I Googled it and the first thing that popped up and really the only thing that kind of talked about it was a Reddit thread. And do you know Reddit, the website Reddit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it was hysterical because somebody said, Oh my gosh, what is a night knocker? You know, I'm just started reading this book and and <laughs> there were like 300 or more comments and it was all people that were reading the book and googled night knockers, night knocker and the first thing that came up was this thread and the only thing really because they couldn't find it on any <laughs> Not on Google or Bing, you know. <laughs> and so, so a lot of you know theories were shot around. But um, one of them that I thought was so interesting was um, the way they that um, Stephen King describes the the position is the same job that Clarice Starling's father had in Silence of the Lambs. Because yeah. I don't know if you remember, but she talked about her father when he, her father got killed or whatever. And she talked about him as being a policeman. But then, yeah, the, but then he, she, they were elector confronted her and turns out he wasn't she he wasn't a sheriff's deputy. He was a night watchman and he punched an ancient time clock and he wasn't allowed to carry a weapon just like this character. So I don't know. Maybe it was a little yeah, bit of a nod a- to... <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a really obscure reference. I mean, I just I thought that was really interesting, though, because mm-hmm. um, a lot of readers who read Stephen King also have read The Silence of the Lambs. Right, and you and know he, Stephen I mean, King obviously has read knows Silence that. of the Lambs too. In oh, fact, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. So yeah, so I don't know, but it, I just thought, and also the other thing that people noticed, and I'm wondering, did you could you tell what? what time or did you did they have anything in there that said what like year this was like what era no and you know initially when he got to this um when the night night walker night knocker got to this small town Mm -hmm. it felt like it could have been a throwback to any time but i have to say in you know where he's just walking to the you know diner and then he goes to the little motel but i thought that could happen in any small town where sometimes Mm -hmm. time doesn't you know doesn't really it it can stand still sometimes so I thought that yeah I didn't know I really didn't know right a lot of people had a theory that maybe this was something he had written farther back and had taken out and um reworked because they were saying oh it's supposed to be in the present but it's not and I mean there's things Hmm. that are not like the present and so then I was like well how do they think it's supposed to be the present I was like looking everywhere and um and they, they, the one odd thing, and which, of course, none of this detracts from the book, but it's just fun to talk about, you know, um, was <laughs> he, in one thing, somebody 
um, called an Uber. Oh. And they okay. called the Uber and they paid for the Uber like a taxi, which you don't oh. really do with Ubers. And But then some no. people were like, well, you know, in small towns, we don't even have Uber. So maybe you didn't know, blah, blah, blah. And, and plus Uber wasn't a long time ago. But one of the references that the kid made to um, like a, a movie, a director was mm-hmm. um like uh, M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and kind of made me think that he was referring, they were referring to signs. It was Sixth Sense. Oh, sure. And But that was made in 1999. So oh. if the kid was referring to it, then you would think it was huh. closer to around the turn of the century. I don't know. That's what Interesting. I'm... Yeah. I know. It was interesting because obviously it doesn't really matter. I know. (laughs) I know. Well, and that's what's so great about Stephen King is, you know, I assume everything he does is very intentional, probably. So Mm -hmm. we have this conversation and I and then it it harkens to the the main plot of what the government is doing. Mm -hmm. And could that have happened in the past? Yep. Could it be happening Mm -hmm. right now? Let's hope not. Right. So, yeah, it's a little scary, though. Yeah, it is indeed. Hence, Stephen King. Writer's, writer's perspective. perspective. Okay, since we're talking about Stephen King, we thought we would take something from his uh, wonderful book about writing called On Writing. Right. And I hadn't read it before, but as a writer, I found it so helpful and just really inspiring. Oh, I I, I agree. I, I've read it um several times and I've li- I've listened to it on Audible as well cuz I just think every time I go back to it there's something that I can pick up you know mm-hmm. and um well I'm really glad you recommended it like I said I hadn't read it and I just kind of I don't know how I well you know I haven't been writing for that long so I guess you know I don't know everything but um but I you know I didn't <laughs> you are heard kidding of me. it so, <laughs> so I was I know I mean you think I've got every out. book on writing on my shelf by now but no <laughs> I did not. So then when we decided to use this, something from this book as our writer's perspective topic, then I realized it's it's kind of difficult because he gives a lot of really good information. And for for a small book, it's it's packed, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And um, anyways, but the what one thing that really kind of struck me and kind of gave me a different perspective, like a, a good perspective on writing and rewriting and that kind of thing, um, was a quote that he had in there from his editor when he was in high school and he worked for the town newspaper. Stephen mm-hmm. King was in high school. And his editor was named John Gould. And he was Stephen King was actually a sports writer for the local newspaper. But anyway, after he did his first story, the guy, you know, marked it all up and did a little mini rewrite. And so then he said, when you write a story, you're telling yourself the story. But when you rewrite, your main job is taking out all the things that are not in the story. And if if you really think about rewriting, I haven't always thought that way. I mean, yes, I knew, okay, I got to take out this redundancies, these adverbs, this, you know, but that does help you pare it down. I remember when a agent told me, you need to tighten it up. That's exactly what she was saying, basically, 
but this gives right. me a better way of looking at it like, yep. hey, yeah, you know, I'm I'm telling myself this story, but just because I happen to picture some weird extraneous thing going on doesn't mean that that's part of the story and it probably doesn't have to be in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I think it's really good advice because, um, like you say, just getting the first draft down, getting the story down is a huge mm-hmm. accomplishment in itself, right? But then it, it, the rewrite is, man, where it's at. And that's where you tighten it up for your reader, leaving out the stuff that isn't helpful or, you know, you don't want in there for them to confuse them or make it, you know, mess up the pace like we've uh-huh. talked about in the past. That's what I was thinking about when he mentioned this was, this is where you right. clean up the pace, right? Because it's so easy. Like when mm-hmm. you and I are chatting here mm-hmm. and we're telling a story, um, we will always bring up things we... You know, right. we go on about things, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but if you were to write down it as a story, yeah, it wouldn't be right. necessary to be in there. Like that little anecdote <laughs> I just gave you. Not yes, necessary it was. at all. It was totally necessary. <laughs> Yeah. And and in the in this um book, I, you yeah. know, in this version, he has added things. He put in a passage that he had written, just purely rough passage. And then he showed his first rewrite. What did you think of that? And I thought that was really, really cool. I did too. And then he would he gave some notes on it, you know, so that you yeah. understood why he did some things because some are obvious, but some like he changed the name of the character mm-hmm. yep. to, you know, a shorter name because he was like, I'm going to be reading this audiobook and I don't want to read Humper Nickel, <laughs> you know, yeah. I know. And I was like, so there's all kinds of reasons why, we, yeah. you know, and the more you and do it, the more, you know, like the first time he wrote a book, he wasn't thinking of the audio book, you know? No. Well, and, and, you know, we've heard that before from other writers at conferences about how now that's kind of a new part of their editing process is thinking about how it's going to sound on the audio book. I just think that's so interesting. I know. Also, I thought this was just a side note that is, you know, can purely be cut because it's really not part of, part of the story, but... <laughs> This is episode 13, oh, right? Yes. yes. Of our second season and the little story that he used in there was about yeah. the 13th floor. Oh. And it was called 1408. <laughs> that was the room number and if you add those numbers together it equals 13. <laughs> Oh, you are going down the Stephen King path today. That's awesome. I love it. So that's why that's why we just happen to be doing Stephen King right in the middle of the holidays. But what we should have done is recorded this last episode. Christy, we should have recorded this last Friday on Friday the thirteenth. <gasps> You're so right. Oh I know. my gosh. I will say well... one of my f- <laughs> I'm going to take us in a different direction. I just have to throw this in. One of my favorite parts of this book is the circumstances under which it was written, where he talks about the story about his accident, that terrible, terrible accident. Oh, my gosh. And how he finally got back into writing. Isn't that so interesting? Yeah. And when he he told that story, I mean, that, because it was first person. And when have you ever heard that like that so clear? That was just, I mean, I was, It is worth reading this book just to read his um, perception of what happened Description of his accent, yeah, Yeah. exactly, you know, from his perspective, because it's Mm -hmm. it's like, you don't know, you know, you're just, 
it's shocking for the from the outside, but you're wondering from the inside. Oh wow! So it yeah. was really that that was riveting. That's true. <laughs> okay, Kathy. Now it's time for our personal updates. <laughs> you sound tired when you say that. <laughs> That was not the most uplifting. It should be, hey, personal updates. Let's go. By the way, again, I will remind you, this is your idea, this whole (laughs) keep each other accountable thing. (laughs) I know. Well, I can tell you right now that um, bad, bad on my work in progress, but good, good on updating a short story that I had to, that I'm going to try to put into it for an anthology. Yay. So... Yeah, so I uploaded that for fellow writers to critique for me um, in this little re- critique group. So we'll see how that goes. So that's, that's something, right? And, um, yeah. And then we've been, you know, we've got the holidays, but we're trying to do all these podcasts at the same time, too. So that's taken up a lot of our time, too. Don't there you think? are always things. Yes. Yes, for sure. Yes. I mean, my Christmas there, shopping has not really even started, and I feel like, oh my gosh, it's a few days yeah, away. Well, <laughs> yeah, you might want to. You might want to get on that. <laughs> I, um, I, I am doing not really intentionally, but I have been doing what Stephen King recommends. So I feel like I'm really on track. But he recommends when you finish a draft or a, a you know a revision, put it aside for a while so you can look at mm-hmm. it with fresh eyes, and that's what I've been doing. <laughs> Okay. But I did actually. That's, I started this morning again, and, and, and I actually. <laughs> I did see, see that, but I was thinking maybe yeah. <laughs> that uh, you know, he was talking no. about the first time oh, you write, whatever, blah 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 <laughs> details. But I will say this morning, and I had been away from it enough time that I I did truly have a fresh approach. Oh, good. And that felt that felt really nice. So, oh, good, good. So you worked on it some today, right? I did. I did this morning, bright yeah, and early. About, because because uh, I'm making us accountable, and you knew you were going to have to say something. I, that might have been. It was before 5 a.m., which is my favorite time to write. So, um, Oh, good. I, w- I will say that one of the most exciting things lately is that we have been corresponding with J.T. Ellison, and she is going to appear on our Corks and Conversation in the new year. Yes, yes. And her book her book comes out on the 28th, I think, her new book. Good Girls Lie. And mm-hmm. she is going to appear on a Corks and Conversation with us in Yay. January. Yay! So we're really excited about that. Yeah, and we, we are, we're lining up some good ones for the spring. We're not going to tell you we all are. of them now. No, but we'll everyone... We'll save that for maybe our New Year's episode or something. Yeah. <laughs> Order her book and, and we will let you know when we're yes. going to talk about it. Yeah, that's, that. you know, put it on. It's I'm sure you can pre-order. It's the 28th, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. so, you know, you can get it right after um, Christmas and before New Year's, so you can have something to do in that downtime when you are in the food coma or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Authors love it when you pre-order, so that would be great. Yes. Yep. Great. So, so much to look forward to. And um, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thanks to our mysterious foodies out there for listening and sharing. Check out our website, gameofbookspodcast.com, where you can find links to all we talk about. And if you subscribe to our weekly newsletter, 
You can get those links sent directly to you, along with any exciting updates. We are also on Facebook and Twitter under at GOB Writers. And if you enjoyed this episode as much as we did, we would love to hear from you. And please subscribe to Game of Books wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our book club ideas and quirks and conversations with award-winning and best-selling authors. That's all for today's episode of Game of Books podcast, where we share food, wine, and mystery every Friday morning, just in time for the weekend. This is Christy and Kathy saying thanks for listening. Bye, Bye, everybody. everybody.